0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a new study in the Word. River City is a Bible teaching church, and in fact, this new series is called The Word. The Word of God. Is it a history book? Is it a book with more books inside it? It really doesn't matter because Sean's going to tell you what Jesus said about the Word of God. Jesus knew the Word of God, and in fact, He is the Word of God. It is much bigger than just a book. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry right now, then please do so today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called, This is the Word of God, in the series called The Word. Sean starts off in Matthew chapter 4, It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Well, today we're starting a new series. You may have heard something about it. It's called The Word. The Word. And actually, this first message is called This is the Word. It's kind of, we're going to start with the basics here. The Word. How do we see the Word of God? How do we see the Scriptures? How do we look at this? We handle it, we talk about it, we use it, we reference it. But how do we truly see it? I think there's a number of different ways. I have a couple books here that were just books we had at home. And I think we look at the Word of God, different ones look at the Word of God, somehow like we look at these books. Like this is an old encyclopedia. I have a whole set. These are 1957. I actually have two sets of old encyclopedias. And you know why I like old encyclopedias? Because it shows me how differently the experts talked about things 50 years ago than they do today. And when people scream, the science is settled, the science is settled. I'm like, yeah, they thought the science was settled too. The nature of science is sometimes it's not settled because we change, we grow technology, we understand more. But what's funny is a lot of people look at the Word of God, they look at it like an encyclopedia. It's, you know, I think theologians can get caught up with this. It's a source of information. I go here to find facts. I go here to find what happened. I go here to study about, but it's a source of information. Some people study it. Here's a book I like. <laughs> this isn't my book. This is Lori's book. I'd never have a book like this. This is a diet book. It's a book about a diet. Some people look at the Bible like a diet book, okay? And you know what we do with diet books? At least what I do with diet books, you you read it, maybe you get a chapter in, it's like, oh, I guess that sounds good, yeah, that would probably help me, and then I blow it off. Some people look at the Bible that way. It's like, I know it would probably be good for me, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Another that we had around the house was this book right here. It's a children's storybook. A lot of people look at the Bible this way. They look at it as a children's storybook. And children's storybooks are awesome because it's like they're creative. They're, a, they're, they're heart-rending, heart-moving. Um, they're, they're sometimes very good moral lessons, ethical lessons we can learn from them, a little bit of wisdom, but they're not true. I mean, they're just children's stories. And a lot of people look at the Bible that way. Well, yeah, yeah, there's moral lessons and things you can learn and, and some cool stories there and cool characters, but it's not true, right? I mean, you don't really believe it. And then this last book that some people kind of read the Bible like, this is the owner's manual for my car. <laughs> okay? A lot of people look at the Bible like the owner's man of, of my car or of your car. And the truth is, I never look at this unless, like, I'm in trouble. And I need to figure out where to find my jack. Where's, where do they put the jack? Why? This is creative. It's like a puzzle. There's so much in there. If you're a pickup truck, and, you know, they'll put the jack under the hood there. You know, change the oil, with the, and the jack is the actual cap on top. That's wonderful. But yeah, this is like when you're in trouble or there's a problem, I go to this. It's kind of how to work the car. Some people look at the Bible like when I'm in trouble or I want to know how to work my life. And and that's not entirely bad. I think the Bible tells you a lot about how to work your life. But it is so much more. See, that's the whole thing. All of these maybe have aspects of what the Bible is, what the scriptures are, what the word is. But none of them are complete because the word is so much more. And that's the truth. People look at this, well, it's a collection of books. But the truth is, anything less, and you need to hear this, anything less than what the Bible actually says about itself is insufficient. It's not enough. Anything less than what the Scripture says of itself, of the Word, is insufficient. And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning. I want us to look, actually start right at the beginning. What does Jesus say about the Word? Let's start with what he says. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is kind of a cool, dramatic, actual passage. Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. We read, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And i got to stop right there. Because as someone who studied the Bible before, a little, you know, a little alarm goes off in my head. Wait a minute. The Spirit led him in the desert to be tempted? James 1.13 says God doesn't tempt anyone. If you're being tempted, you can't say it's God who's tempted because he doesn't tempt people. What's going on here? And the key is in the Greek word for the word tempted. The word is perazo. And it means to try or to make proof of, to test to test. Tempt is a good translation because that word is often translated tempt from the Greek to the English. But it's also translated test, to prove. And what you understand is when you look at this, it's interesting. In in that first verse, there's three different characters that we're introduced to in this scenario. There's the spirit, there's Jesus, and there's the enemy or the devil. Three characters. And what that means is there's two different players speaking to and influencing or trying to influence Jesus. The first is the spirit of God. The other is the enemy, the tempter or Satan. And what that means, there's two people working on him and there's two agendas at work here. And you know, so often we have the exact same thing happen. So many situations, we just need to understand, there are two agendas at work in circumstances of our lives. There's the spirit of God's, and then there is the enemy of our souls. See, here, these two agendas at work, Satan's was to tempt and derail Jesus from the mission God had called him to. That was his agenda. That's often his agenda in our life. The spirit's agenda was to test and prove the faithfulness of Jesus and, interestingly enough, the faithfulness of God the Father, and both... Are on full display in the rest of this story. But understanding that there's two agendas here one actually is to tempt, that's the enemies. But the Spirit was there to test and to prove the faithfulness of Jesus and the faithfulness of God the Father. Okay? So picking up at verse two, we're told, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? And, you know, this is not, okay, I'm on my high-protein drink juice fast, okay? This is Jesus is in the wilderness, struggling to get water, and not eating any food. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, I just mentioned bread, and some of your kind of mouth started salivating. You haven't been fasting for 40 minutes, Jesus is 40 days. So Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Oh, Satan's got quotes too. You you realize Satan will throw scripture out to you? You ever had scripture misthrown at you? I grew up in a Sicilian family. My dad was big on the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, dad, I don't think that means what you think it means. But Satan's got quotes too. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's tested him in this area of his hunger, his needs. He's tested him on whether Father will keep you safe. He said, I don't need to test my Father. Scripture says don't. And then verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. Now you're like, well, that's ridiculous. Do you know who you're even talking to, Satan? All this you'll give him. Who are you to try to give him the world? You gotta understand, we sometimes think, oh, it wasn't his to give. Actually, truth be told, it was. Because God gave dominion and stewardship of the earth to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned and chose the flesh, and when they did, they gave those keys to the enemy so that in Scripture, he's called the prince of the world. So it actually was his to give in a sense. And what he's really offering, remember, remember what Scripture says of Jesus? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, heaven and earth that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So one day, his destiny, his purpose was to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Satan's offering him a shortcut that doesn't involve living a sinless life, It's really hard, and then going to the cross and being crucified and killed.
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called, This is the Word in the series called The Word, which is available right now on the sermon page at Life.org. And while you're there, if this radio ministry has been a blessing to you, then your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the donate tab at life.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar.
1: Jesus said to him, and I love this, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And look at verse 11. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. See, that's the faithfulness of the Father. Jesus obeyed and walked faithfully before the Father and the Father sent messengers to minister to him, to meet his needs and to take care of him. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us through your word. Let us hear your heart. Let us hear what you want to say. Teach us how to see and use your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I find it interesting the devil tempts Jesus in three very specific areas. And they're the same areas he often tempts us in. That's why it's worth noting and paying attention to. Okay? The first is in provision. And this is one we worry about all the time. We're tempted. Jesus was really hungry, and you could just make bread, but that wasn't what Father had for him. And Jesus trusted Father for his provision. And how often are we tempted when it comes to our provision? Think about that. Am I going to have enough? What about my job? What about my money? Oh, God, can you really take care of me? Maybe i got to take this little shortcut over here because I really need this. Second area he was tempted in was his protection. His protection. Can God keep me safe? And we wrestle with that a lot, our security, our safety. The third area was his purpose. Jesus' purpose was to be over all. But Father had a plan on how. And he tempts us in the same thing. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Well, am I going to compromise? I'm going to make the purpose of my life something other than what I was created for and what my Father has for me. Am I going to make it what the world says I should have? We're tempted in these three areas all the time. And in each case, this is so important, mark it down, jot a note, Each case, Jesus defeats him by quoting the Scriptures. He quotes the Scriptures. What's interesting, all of these are quotes from Moses' message to God's people in Deuteronomy 6 through 8, as he's leading them from slavery to the land of promise. Isn't that interesting? They were in the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness. Jesus was a son of promise. They were heading to the land of promise. And he's quoting passages of Scripture from that Discourse in the Wilderness that Moses had with the people of God. It's a great reading to look at through that lens of Jesus quoting that when he was in the wilderness. One of the things I think is most significant and the beauty of this passage is that we get to see how Jesus views the Scripture or the Word. And that's why we should pay really close attention. We get to see what Jesus says about the Word. He talks about the Word. He teaches on the Word. We get to see what Jesus does with the Word. How he uses it. We can see what happens because of the word of God. And those are really important things. And I want to suggest the key verse of this passage and where I want us to hone in on is verse 4. Matthew 4, 4, it is worth memorizing. It's really short and easy. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, this isn't just a book. It's not just a collection of books. This is more than a manual or a how-to. It's more than a contract. It's more than even a covenant. If you're taking notes, write this down. The word is more than a source of learning. The word is the source of life. That's what Jesus is saying. Man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word is more than a source of learning. The word is the source of life. And we got to start seeing it that way. We grew up in an age where the Bible was so accessible to us, almost commonplace. I think sometimes we lose the, the sense of what God was giving when he gave this passage, when he gave the scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Amos, chapter eight. Just real quickly, we're going to read from there. But understand, Amos prophesied to the northern kingdom. Remember, there were the divided kingdoms. He prophesied to the northern kingdom of Israel around 760 B.C. And that particular slice of time for the northern and even the southern kingdom is like Dickens' tale of two cities, particularly the northern kingdom. Tale of two cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Best of times because it was prosperous. It really was a prosperous time. If we would, say a thing, we would say things like, well, the market's up, business is good, the nation is secure. It's a prosperous time. They had enjoyed stability and relative peace and material prosperity under the long reign of King Jeroboam. And a long reign generally meant there wasn't much big turmoil and upheaval and business just went on, trade routes were good and that's actually what had happened. They were pretty prosperous. The problem is Jeroboam, while he had created some material stability, he was not a good king. He was not a righteous king. In fact, evil was everywhere and he was part of the problem. Godlessness was the norm and God was getting ready to bring judgment on his people. That's what Amos prophesies about. And it's funny, because when you think about this time, it, we kinda, I think we can kind of relate in that material prosperity can mask spiritual poverty for a time, but not forever, right? Material prosperity can mask spiritual poverty, uh, poverty for a time, but not forever. It's funny. When we started this ministry... And to this day, we worked in inner-city housing projects and inner-city ministry. And what was interesting is that in the inner-city, man, one of the refreshing things I found is that the brokenness and the sin was kind of just out there. And it wasn't hidden. And you'd be walking down the street, and all of a sudden, the fight from in the house would just, in the housing project, would just spill out onto the street. And, you know, it was just all of the stuff. And it was one of those parts, we started in the housing project, and it was one of those parts that you just go, oh, man, it's hard over there. A lot of brokenness there. What's interesting is as I got in and got connected, I saw clearly, you know, the same sins all exist in our suburban neighborhoods. We just are able, we have the resources to hide it behind a well-manicured lawn, nice front door, nice fence. And it looks all nice on the outside. On the inside, the same issues with fear, infidelity, anger, rage. They're all there. It's just we have the resources to hide it. And it's funny because sometimes what you have, the thing that you have most of, can keep you from what you most need. What you most have can keep you from what you most need. And that's what they were experiencing. So, in Amos, he gets seven and a half chapters of judgment, and then he says these words. this is verses eleven twelve of chapter eight. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for water or for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They'll go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. That's such a powerful, and, and that actually happened. It was still a few hundred years away, but they entered into this time. The The northern kingdom, within 30 years, was overrun by the Assyrians. Kind of ceased to exist as a separate entity. Southern kingdom, it was, they had a bit of time left. But ultimately, the Babylonians did the same thing to them, and it was a silent period where there no, no, prophets, the voice of God wasn't heard. And and I love this because it compares that to hunger and thirst. And we all hunger and thirst, don't we? We all hunger for something. It's what drives us. And the word is like bread. We all thirst. We all thirst. And the word is like water on a dry and a parched land. You know, that thirst is what drives us. Sometimes we can see it easier in other people. You have someone you love and care about who they constantly go after something that hurts them. And you're like, why do they do that? Why do they keep going to that same broken well? All they're doing is trying to satisfy the thirst. And and when you stop and think about it, how many things do you and I do? Sin, tendencies, brokenness in our habits. Why do I do that? Because there's this inner thirst and I go all these other places to satisfy them, except... the presence of God, except for the word of the Lord. I think in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus showed us three powerful reasons that the word is more than just a source of learning, but is the source of life. Number one, the word is our source of life because of who it comes from. Ultimately, and this is what Jesus was saying, the word is our source of life because of who it comes from. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible is not just a book. This is not just a collection of books. And that's so important that we understand that. Remember we talked about what the scripture says about itself? 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Pastor Mike taught on this passage beautifully last week. But there's one phrase I want us to just rest on a bit. And it's that all scripture is what? It's God breathed. Do you understand what it's saying? This is powerful. This is unique because it is God breathed. His spirit speaking. His spirit guiding and protecting. His spirit applying the word to our hearts and to our lives. Do you understand that this book is written hundreds of years, even more, apart, different nations, different languages, different people. And there's this incredible unity of theme that runs through it. Do you realize, we'd have a hard time getting that same level of unity here. And we all speak the same language, we're all at the same time, we're all part of the same church. The unity and the focus and the forward motion of the word of God is miraculous. And that's the Holy Spirit. He, he guided people to write down what God was saying. This isn't just man's discovery of God. This isn't some so, sociological religious text that gives us man's discovery of God. This is the Word of God. And see, I want us to see it that way. We handle it so much that sometimes we can just treat it like any other book. All scriptures God breathed. It, One of the things God's had me doing in the morning when I do my devotions is just holding the Bible and just saying, this is the Word of God to me. In fact, I want you to do that. Will you take your Bible, whether it's paper, whether it's electronic, you're like, I'm holding an iPhone right now, okay? That's fine. That's fine. I I do my devotions largely on electronics, okay? I do both, but largely on electronics. That's fine. But I want you to hold it up, okay? Hold it up, all right? Hold it before you look at it. And and, and I'm not talking about the paper or the leather. I'm not talking about the glass screen or the whatever the wrapping around it is. I'm talking about the Word. And I want you to say with me, this is God's Word. Say that. This is God's Word.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called The Word, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find that Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church,